Uh, good evening if you're joining us in the other room. Um, I got a message on my phone that apparently there's a family meeting tonight. I hope it means that we no longer have to be in two separate rooms, that we can finally fellowship together in one room and just worship God together. Um, so let's pray for that as uh, the service goes on, just in your mind and your heart. If there is a family meeting, just pray in your heart that this means the restrictions are being lifted and we can worship together in one roof um, as a body. Um, I must say thanks to the church for the encouraging words that were sent to us whilst we were away. Uh, Tobili and I enjoyed uh, some time away, and it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be home. Uh, we had um, a good leave, I think, um, and, but it's good to be back. Um, but I must say, whilst we were away and coming back to preach in a series, it feels as if I was watching a movie, specifically a romantic movie, and I fell asleep, and I woke up, and the couple's already getting married. And everybody else knows what happened between these two people, and now I have to just catch you up about this marriage. So um, just bear with me. Um, but I did listen to a few sermons. I listened to Isaac's sermon last week. And what Isaac did last week is he led us through just the concept of redemption. What he did last week is he warned us to see that the world knows that there is a need for a redeemer. There is a great need for redemption, but what the world does is it fails in the solution to that need. So Isaac encouraged us to, to, to be careful of that. He also encouraged us that the world will tell you that you'll find redemption in either happiness or in forgiveness. Once you find happiness or once you are able to forgive, you will be led to redemption. Isaac then went on to encourage us that um, there will be false redeemers present in the world today, but when the rubber hits the road, that illusion of redemption will fail you. He then challenged us at the end that there is only one man who can redeem you. We sang about him tonight. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, for his redemption is not partial. His redemption is complete, but it's only found in him. If you want to listen to that sermon, it's still available online. You can go listen to that. Tonight, I wrap up our series on a, our redemption story revealed in an actual love story, the actual love story of Boaz and Ruth. So tonight we're in Ruth chapter 4, and we pick up our reading from verse 13. So that is Ruth chapter 4, and we will pick up our reading from verse 13. If you are there, if you just say I. Thanks. I heard a few eyes and confused eyes. All right, so verse 13 says this. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who has, sorry, praise be to the Lord lost my place, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Verse 15, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. 
Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He, the, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Verse 18. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. So far in God's word. If you just join me in praying tonight. So God, I do pray even as I speak tonight that God, you'd prepare the hearts of those receiving your word. God, I pray for those who are watching from the room next door. Father, I know it's not the same as being in here. So I do pray that you'd remove all distractions that may arise. I pray, Father, that you would still communicate your word clearly to them as you do to us. And I pray that tonight, together as a body, we would just be encouraged that we have a Redeemer. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that as I come as a vessel, that, Lord, you would use me. May I not be a hindrance to whoever's listening to this message, but, God, may they hear clearly your truths revealed in your word. May your spirit lead my lips. May he guide my mind. And I pray, Father, that our fellowship together tonight would honor you and bring you the glory that is due to your name. But God, our, my heart is so excited and filled with joy as we're also going to be having baptisms tonight. So I pray, Father, that as we, as we talk about redemption, that Lord, you'd remind us of the day that we were baptized, baptized into your body. But also, Lord, if there's people who've been baptized through the waters of baptism, Lord, remind them too of that day when they proclaimed to those who were in the audience that I too have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. His blood has purchased the debts that I own for my sins, and now I walk in newness of life. So Lord, help us as we go through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider today is a simple phrase, praise be to the Lord. This is a phrase that can really cover the whole book. Um, everything has happened in this book, but I feel like with all that has happened, Ruth and Naomi can both say, praise be to the Lord. If you followed with us from chapter one of the story, you'd know that this story had everything in it to make it one of the best series on Netflix. We've had death, we've seen drama, We've seen possible violence. We've seen romance. And finally tonight, we want to see a happy ending. But again, this is not just a theater production. This is not just a, a movie that has been made by Hollywood. But this was a real-life event that was recorded in the scriptures as God so allowed to help us learn that, uh, that we have a Redeemer and He is worthy of praise. I hope as we've gone through this book that there's no doubt in our minds that God was actively involved in leading Ruth through the different storms of her life. Some of those storms was he led her through the passing of her husband. Ruth, her, her husband died. He led her through a famine. He led her to himself where Ruth proclaimed still with tears in her eyes. She says to Naomi, your God will be my God. 
We also saw that the Lord led her to Boaz's field, but she was also protected from potential rape and also from potential harm. We saw God richly provide for her and Naomi through Boaz's generosity. Finally, we saw her take the risk in sneaking into Boaz's room and covering his feet. I mean, he really could have woken up in a fright and tried to stab her. But God, in his providence, he protected her as she snuck in under his feet and she proposed. And God, in his providence, would use Boaz to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Now again, Isaac alluded to it last week. When Boaz redeems Ruth, he actually is redeeming the lineage of Elimelech. John Piper has a phrase I would like us to consider tonight. He says, the life of the godly is not a straight line to, to glory, but they do get there. He says, the life of the godly is not a straight line to glory, but they, the godly, do get there. I think we all here tonight can testify that even as believers, our lives have a lot of bends in the road. I mean, we can contextualize our, our lives are like the streets in South Africa. There's just a lot of potholes. Uh, our lives are, are just a roller coaster. It's one thing after another. And often we find ourselves asking ourselves the question, God, does it ever get better than this? Well, in this book, I want us to see that God is intentionally showing us that what may start off as hard times will always end in joy for the believer. I want to say that again. What, what, what starts off as hard times will, and I can say this confidently, will always end in joy for the believer. Now, you may tonight be Mara. If you remember from chapter 1, Naomi said, call me Mara as she was in the thicket of her adversary. Maybe this is you. Maybe you sitting here tonight are calling yourself Mara. You're just filled with bitterness. I want to encourage you that you too can be encouraged. That you can go back to being called Naomi, which means pleasant. You see, when our heads are down and when we are complaining about our current circumstances, I want you to know even in that state that God is still at work. Even when you are complaining about everything that is going wrong, everything that could go right, know that God is working things out for your good. Again, John Piper would say, Ruth was written to help us see the signposts of the grace of God in our lives and to help us to trust His grace even when the clouds are so thick that we can't see the road, let alone the signs on the side. I remember going through Instagram or Twitter, and I read a challenging statement to me, and the question was, is God still good if he does not move the mountains? Tonight, I want to encourage you. We do have hope in Christ. We do have a reason to sing. We can give praise to God in every season of our lives. We can do this because we believe in a God who is sovereign. There's a pastor in the States who experienced the hurricane that just hit America. 
And he was able in the midst of the hurricane to write these words. He says, God is sovereign over hurricanes as he is sovereign over better days. He will never lose control. We can be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We can be poor, yet making many rich. We can have nothing, yet possess everything. Why? Because our hope is fixed in God, who is for us. R.C. Sproul would, in answering the question, what are the practical implications or, or what are the practical realities of a non-sovereign God? This is what he says. He says, I want you to think of it from the perspective of those of you who are professing Christians. He says, if there is one molecule in the universe that is running loose outside of the control of God's sovereignty, what I like to call one maverick molecule then the practical implication for us as Christians is that we have no guarantee whatsoever that any promise God has made to his people will come to pass. Praise God that there aren't any maverick molecules running around. God is in absolute control, so therefore we can trust him at his word. All his promises will come to pass because he is in absolute control. So back to our passage. God was sovereign over the first thing I would like us to look at tonight. He was sovereign over blessing Ruth with marriage. He blessed Ruth with marriage. Now I must say, what, what really threw me off as I read chapter 4, I, I read it two times and I was like, where's the white dress? I mean, this is the perfect love story, but when, when it comes to the marriage, all we get is... Now, Boaz is, sorry, that's the wrong thing. We get in verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. What? Where's the, where's the wedding bells? Where's, where's the noise? I mean, we go through this love story. The, the girl, she lands in the boy's field. The boy agrees to marry her, but there's no wedding. We don't get any I do. We don't get the famous kissing of the bride. We don't get any wedding step. We don't get any nothing. <laughs> so I asked myself, why? why? Why have we been deprived of this one thing that we love to attend? I mean, we love to attend weddings because we feel bad when people don't invite us. <laughs> so, so, so why? I asked myself, why did the author not include this? I believe because the author is intentional in pointing us to see God's hand in securing what is important. What is important for Ruth was the marriage. I love what Vodibakum said in a sermon. He said, in this story, we don't get the symbol, but we get the substance. So we, we started in death. We've seen famine. But now we see what ends in marriage and life. God provided for Ruth a redeemer. Consider verse 14 and 15 with me of, of our passage. It says, the woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Now for those joining us for the first time, to redeem someone or something is to buy that which was lost or destitute for your own possession and usually for their gain. Boaz is the picture of our kinsman redeemer. 
He was the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who has not this day left us without a redeemer. Man, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is he who has brought us to himself at a very high price. He bought us out of the curse, out of the deep poverty, out of our depravity, and he made us his own beloved bride. And he blesses us for all generations. This is the Jesus who redeems us. Amen. The debt against us by sin is not just simply canceled, but it was paid for. Christ shed his blood. He gave his life as a ransom by which we have been delivered from the slave market of sin. No longer are we slaves to sin, but we are now slaves to righteousness because the price has been paid. Jesus on the cross. So as our candidates go through the waters of baptism tonight... They will share with us how they were indebted to God, how they were dead in their sin, how they heard the gospel of Christ, how they believed in him, thus securing the redemption of their souls. They will be sharing to us that they belong to Jesus. They have died with Jesus. They will stay in the water. They are buried with Jesus. And they are raised to new life as I pull them out of the water if I like them. But church, these, the waters of baptism just is a great testimony of how God has redeemed us. This, this just images, it symbolizes what happened in our hearts. So I hope today, even if you're a believer, that as you watch this, that you would just give praise to God that he also saved your soul. If you haven't been baptized, I'd, I'd like you to just consider tonight why haven't you gone through the waters of baptism in obedience to God and say, hey, my hand is up. I too want to be baptized. I want to go through the waters of baptism and proclaim to the church that I have been redeemed and I'm walking in newness of life. Not only was Ruth blessed with marriage, but we also see that she was blessed with a child. She was blessed with a child. Consider with me verse 13 again. It says, And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. I want you to notice the intentional wording there. It says, The Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now what I found interesting is that Ruth's first marriage was barren. Ruth was married for 10 years before her husband died. And I found it strange that for those 10 years, they had no children. The Lord had kept her womb closed, and it was the Lord who would now give her a son. Church, God is the author of life. Now, I want to pause and, and just give an aside here that, that if you are trying to have children, I want to encourage you tonight, do not lose heart. The Lord will enable you to conceive when it is in his will. He will give you peace if it, is, isn't, if it isn't his will, and he will enable you through the process of adoption to have a child if that is his will. Your responsibility is to trust 
in God because he is sovereign. So in this story, not only did we see that the Lord has the Lord's intentional hand clearly seen in her marriage, but it was also seen in her childbearing. Her womb would carry the seed which would give rise to King David. Consider verse 16 with me. It says, Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for her. And the woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Notice the women who are commenting here are the same women in chapter 1 who saw Naomi come in and they said to her, hey, is that not Naomi? They said, Naomi has a son. Notice they didn't say Ruth has a son. I want you to remember Naomi's words when she entered uh, Bethlehem and these neighboring women said to her, hey, Naomi, is that you? And she said, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? Why call me pleasant when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty God has brought calamity upon me? These women knew Naomi as Mara. They knew her as bitter, and now they have seen and can testify that the Lord has not abandoned her. Do you notice in verse 15? They say, he will renew your life and sustain you in your, own, in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. See, these women came in and they found Naomi nursing her grandson. And they gave this boy a name and they said, let us call him Obed. Now, it's interesting because the meaning of the name Obed is worship. The God who brought Naomi back empty has made her full, so worship him. Worship him. The Lord has blessed her with the greatest honor of being able to be called Gogo by both David and Jesus. Jesus would call Naomi grandma. David will call Naomi grandma. Now, of course, with Jesus, it's great, 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 great. But the point remains. She had the great privilege of having in her lineage both David and Jesus. Now, who's David? David was more than a giant slayer. David was more than the man who killed Goliath. He was the greatest king, handpicked by God to ever rule the nation Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. He was pointed toward God, but he was not perfect. He sinned against God in, in having sex with a married woman, Bathsheba, and plotted to have her husband killed. But he showed his heart for God in truly repenting of his sin, acknowledging his sin before God, and pleading that God would forgive him of his sin. He truly had a deep desire to follow God's will and do everything that God wanted him to do. 
This David would carry the seed of the Messiah, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, he who would fulfill the whole law, who shed his blood and would secure the new covenant. He is the Prince of Peace. It is he who rules in righteousness. He is the securer of our freedom from pain, from grief, from weeping, from from guilt. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He is God. Do you believe in Him? So I'd like to wrap up our series tonight with my second and last point, which is the title of our series, Our Redemption Story Seen in an Actual Love Story. Church, may this book teach us that we can have hope in the midst of great hardship because the best is yet to come. What looks like just another love story has more than what meets the eye. God was working out his glory through the lives of Ruth and Naomi and they would benefit immensely as it would work out for their good. So as Christians... Know that even the ordinary events of your life are connected to the marvelous work of God in redemption. The little things in nature, God works out to fulfill his will. These individuals just happened to come together and love each other and show commitment to each other and to the Lord. But it was no happenstance. It was God's intentional will. The result of this love story was the royal line of King David, the greatest ruler of ancient Israel and the model of the Messiah. Church, there is no such thing as coincidence. It is all providence. God seeing to it that his will would come to pass. God saw to it that his promise that he made in Genesis 3.15. Remember when he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he, the seed, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I like the other translation that says, you will crush his head and you shall bruise his heel. This promise would come to pass because David was born who would bear the seed which would bring line to King Jesus. So in your life today, I want you to know that there are no coincidences. Believer, as you know the truth of God's word, know that God is seeing to every event of your life. There is nothing that happens in your life that God is not aware of, that God is not involved in. And by involved in, it makes it sound dodgy, like is God involved in sending me evil? He doesn't tempt us, he doesn't bring evil, but he allows it. Evil is not just running around loose, it is under his control. Trust in this God. His hands are not folded to your problems, but he will provide a way of escape. The way of escape might not always be him pulling you out of the trial, 
But the way of escape, as you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is he will give you the power to endure till the storm subsides. If the storm subsides on your deathbed, he will give you the strength to endure it till that point. But know that nothing has overcome you that you don't have the strength to endure because God has promised that. Friends, God is faithful. And tonight I want to ask you the question, what are you not trusting God for in your life? What lies have you believed from Satan about the trials or the storms that you are facing in your life? Remember, the book of, the book of Ruth was written in the time of the judges. And the judges were asking, them the, they were asking themselves the question, does God really care for us? With all that was happening, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, it seemed to be that there's no deliverer deliverer that can fully deliver the nation Israel. So they asked the question, does God really care for us? Although this book ends with David as the seemingly deliverer, tonight I want to say that David was not Israel's deliverer, but he was pointing the nation to the actual deliverer who is King Jesus. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our savior. He is our king. Church, Christ is our shepherd. He is present with us. He is leading you. He is strengthening you. He is growing you through your trials and through your joys. My question tonight is, do you believe in him? So as you bow your head, as I close the sermon tonight, I'd like to just give you a moment to think through three questions. Three questions I want you to think about as you bow your head tonight. And the first one is, do you believe in our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus has redeemed you from your sin? Do you believe that he is writing your life story for his glory and for your good? Do you believe that the best is yet to come? If the answer is no, what is hindering you from believing in God? Submit those to him tonight and ask him to help you alleviate these speed bumps to enjoying him as your king. So just take this moment to pray to God. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. 
Satisfied, he is all that I need. May it be, come what may, till I rest all my days in the goodness of Jesus. Father, I do pray that even as we've gone through the story and seen just your provident hand in the life of Naomi, I pray, God, that you teach us to trust in you, that the same God who redeemed Ruth and Naomi is the same God who redeemed us completely. God, we had a debt too big that, God, we were born in sin. We were dead. Lord, we were not drowning in the pool of our sin. We were dead at the bottom. But praise God that you sent your son to save us. He pulled us, Lord, from from the dead and he brought us to life. We can now shout that we have been redeemed. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for the salvation that belongs to Jesus. God, I do pray that if there's one in this room, Lord, who maybe tonight trusted in you as their Redeemer, oh God, we rejoice with them, Lord. Thank you for saving their souls. Thank you, God, for pointing out that they were in sin and in need of a Redeemer, and his name is Jesus. Lord, if someone tonight has believed in Jesus, we want to just say thank you. But God, if there's others who are still hesitant, God, we do pray that your spirit would be at work, that God, your spirit would reveal the truth of who God is, and that God, they would come running, trusting in you, as the only Savior of our souls. So God, even as we sing the song and even go through the baptisms, Lord, I pray that, that Lord, it would just be more celebration, celebrating the redemptive work of Jesus, substitutionary atonement, secured for us by the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So Lord, won't you bless your word in our hearts and help us, Lord, to apply it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.